shared this earlier. Please keep praying for Pastor Godwin and Sister Godwin. They are choice people. Amen? Just good people. Just good people. Verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day, Paul speaking, that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. I love that phrase. It's easy to be a television preacher because when they turn off the cameras, you can do whatever. I'm not accusing any preachers, I'm just saying. But Paul had an expressive way of letting people know, if you wanna examine my life, I live right here among you. You saw my good points and my flaws, but you know I am who I say I am. He said, you know from the first day, excuse me, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught from house to house, testifying to the Jews, also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that the chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. And graduates, that's the phrase I want you to lead with. So that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace of God. Blessed be the reading and the hearing of God's word. Would you stretch your hand this way, please? Amen. Jessica, I want you to pray over this body that they will have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. may be seated. One more time, why don't you just greet your neighbor and tell them it's good to see them in church. Amen. In Acts chapter 20, real quickly, in Acts chapter 20, Paul was now making his way to Jerusalem or his ambition is to go to Jerusalem. He has this desire that I think was not only of the flesh, but I believe it was God led to be in Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. He knows, the Bible said that everywhere he goes that the Holy Ghost, not man, not flesh, not philosophy, not a denomination, he said, but the things that he sees, the things that he hears, that the Holy Ghost is testifying everywhere he goes that his time is at hand. Persecution, tribulation, and trial, 
for one reason, because he's preaching this inclusive doctrine, what we call the grace doctrine, that Jesus Christ has come to die for all, all humanity, no matter what color, no matter what background, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, it does not matter, but the gospel of grace, which I love, is still being preached today because what the apostle Paul did. So he says to them, I've got to get there. So he journeys only by part, by foot. Most of the time he's traveling by ship. And the Bible says, and I could give you a lot of background, but for time's sake, the Bible says in Acts 20 that he makes his way to this port city by the name of Miletus. He pulls into this port city, bypassing really the city of the elders and who he wanted to speak to. Some theologians, I should say most think the reason was he did not want to bog down his time. Time is of the essence. Young people, I want you to hear me. Let me just throw this at you. Before long, and I know when I, when I say this, Russell, I'll be your age before long. That's how I'm feeling right now. The people will tell you time will pass by just like that. It feels like yesterday I graduated high school. You understand? Just like that. It will pass by. So whatever time God has allotted you, the Bible says you've got to be faithful as a steward to that time. Paul knows that time is of the essence. So when he gets to this port city, he pulls in, and the first thing that he says to them, he says, I want you to go get the leaders of the church at Ephesus. I want you to get the, the leadership there of the church and bring them to me. Don't, don't bring everybody yet. Just bring me the leaders. I have something to impart to them and I've got something to say to them. He even says to them that they would not see his face anymore. So if this was his last meeting, April, what he was saying was the words that I give you now are the most important words. It's just like when you're about to lose somebody and they're about to go to heaven for their reward. I promise you those words are the most important. There's no wasted time. There, there's no wasted words. Those words mean something. So the apostle also Paul says to the church leaders where he gave his life, gave his blood, gave his tears and his sweat. He pulls them to them and he says these words right here, three quick things. He says, I did something before you. I want you to hear me. He said, I lived before you. My life was a lie and testimony before you. And I did it by three ways. First of all, he says to them that you're called to ministry. Every one of you. I'll touch base uh, about this at the end of the service, but He's letting all of them know that everybody is a minister. I want to just go ahead and debunk that myth right now. Uh, Joy, when I came in the church of God, you were either the laity, you were a pastor, or you were an evangelist. And I want to be honest, I believe it was wrong. I believe that we failed a lot of ministers and ministries. Everybody in this house has ministry inside of you. Everyone. You may not be the pastor. There can't be 30 senior lead pastors. There can only be one because then there will be confusion and dysfunction if there was more than one. There are many pastors in this church, but each one plays a different role. But what Paul was saying to them, that this gospel of grace is so powerful that it's going to pull down every rim of, uh, of religion and it's going to pull people out of the fire and up out of the pit 
It's going to turn their life around and it's going to place them in the ministry because it's more than just one preacher in Wahala. It's a church on fire telling people if God can do it for me, then God can do it for you. So he says three things. First of all, I'm only going to touch on this briefly. We mentioned this Wednesday night. He said, when I came to you, I came to you in the spirit of lowliness and humility. You hear me this morning. I believe that the Bible is true, young people, and to our adults this morning, that pride always goes before a fall. You're about to see the real world come at you. There's no more there, mama waking you up in the morning. There'll be no more there, Ryan, your mama fixing your hair before you go to school when you go to Tacoma College. You understand what I'm saying? That's about to change. The real world is coming at them. And what you have in high school sometimes, you have this false sense of pride because everybody knows you in your small setting, but you're about to go to the real world when you step in a brand new place and they don't know you and they don't know your mom and dad and they don't know who you're, that your daddy's the mayor of Wahala. They don't know any of that. You're going into the real world. So i tell you what Paul said this morning. When you embrace this world, do it the way that Christ did in Philippians chapter two when the Bible said he made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and began to do the will of Almighty God. We need a church that is full of humility and empties herself out of pride. What does humility look like at Wahala? It means nobody gets the credit. It doesn't matter what happens. If it's the glory of God and something good, let God be true and let every other man be a liar. Let God get all the credit for what's happening in your life. Listen to me. At every good thing that comes to you, you will have opportunity to do one or two things. You can seize that moment to heap praise upon yourself or you can push that away from you and praise the ones who helped you get to the place that you're at right now. I'm telling you this morning, none of you, as bright as you are, as beautiful, as you are. None of you got to this point by yourself. There have been many, many people, moms and grandmas, daddies and granddads, preachers and youth pastors who've helped you get to this moment. So I pray this morning that you never lose the spirit of humility. And when they try to prop you up with a trophy, you cast that trophy down and break it and you grab a towel and you wash the feet of this world. Can somebody say amen? You always have the choice to be like King Herod. When King Herod thought that he would like the praise of man and put the men of God in jail, instead of debunking that and pushing that away, he seized it and he stood before his people. And the Bible said he had just a robe on that glittered in the sun that they thought he was a God. And because he was feeding them, the Bible said in Acts, the book of Acts 12, that they, he was feeding them so they wanted to lift him up higher. And the Bible said they cried out, this is the voice of God. God and not of man. You be careful when you prop yourself up against Almighty God. God will have no equals in this world. He's God all by himself. The Bible said that the angel touched him. He fell down and the worms ate his body. You say, preacher, is God going to kill me? No, you'll kill yourself. Your pride will kill your dreams. Your pride will kill your plans. Your pride will destroy every relationship because when God puts people in your path, it might be a, a, another female or male, it might be a professor, it might be a boss man, you do not succeed because your ego and your head cannot get in the same room. So I urge you today to have a spirit of humility. Amen. Somebody just kind of raised their eyebrows when I said ego. Amen. It's the truth. Somebody say amen this morning. Amen. Secondly, Paul said, and this is where I want to pick up. Paul said, I came to you in tears. 
we have almost lost this in the Pentecostal church, and I don't understand why. It's almost like we've got to be apologetic now, not for being emotional because we want to. It's almost like we now have to push that away. I don't know it's because that we claim that we are dignified or dead. Jim Valvano, the late great coach of the North Carolina State Wolfpack, they won the national championship sometime in the early 80s. I wasn't there, I was probably about three or four at the time, but he made this statement when the cancer had touched his body. He stood before his colleagues, he says, you wanna have a good day? He said, if you wanna have a good day, do three things. He said, laugh, if you can laugh. I think the Bible says something about laughter. I think it says, it doeth good like a medicine. He says, secondly, he said, you've gotta think. You've gotta gotta think. Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then thirdly, and I love this, he said, cry. He said, if you can shed a tear, if you can just cry, then he said, you've had a great day. Listen to me. I believe that we've lost the gift of tears because we have been so desensitized by technology that nothing moves us anymore. Things don't move us anymore because we feel like that it's not right to show emotion. Listen to me. I wish that we would have passion and compassion again in the house of Almighty God. Young people, don't lose your passion. If you show up at 801 and your job starts at 8, then you've lost your passion for that job or that career. If you leave two minutes early because you feel like there's nothing else there to give, you're either in the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong space, or you have the wrong job, or you need to check yourself as they say in the low country before you wreck yourself because if you don't have passion about your life, how can you expect us to have passion about your life? God did not call you just to exist. God created you for greatness, to do great things. But the problem is I can't wake you up to those great things. There must be something, Brother uh, Ronnie, on the inside that causes us to get up in the morning. There needs to be something. If I have to shake Russell to tell him to do youth ministry, then we don't need him. If I have to touch Danny and say, Danny, you need to do this with excellence, then we don't need him. If you have to say, Brother Nolan, it doesn't seem like you're studying anymore, then you don't need me. I've got to be passionate. And when I quit being passionate about God's word and God's people, and then I take a check from this church, then I become a hireling. And if I become a hireling, then God sent me down and replaced me with somebody that has passion and fire. I don't know who I come to preach to. Maybe it's just these young people, or maybe it's to this body. But I hope I can inspire somebody to be like the Apostle Paul. He was saying to the church at Ephesus, I didn't just show up and show out and leave. He said, I shed blood. I sweated among you. I cried with your children. I cried when you buried your loved ones. I cried through every devil we had to work through. Listen to me. We need to be passionate about our lives again. We need to be passionate about the ministry of God again. We need to be passionate about North Wahala again so that God can use us one more time in these last days. Where's our passion at? You tell me how anointed you are to sing, but you can't show up at church so we can hear you sing. No, you're just more engaged with your talent, but sweetie, can I refer you, or sir, can I refer you back to point number one? Paul said to the Corinthian church, if you're gonna boast, boast in the Lord. He said, let no man boast about being of Apollos, of being of Paul, of being of this one. He said, fact, you wanna tell me about your good gift? He said, let me ask you something, paraphrasing Paul here. He said, did you give yourself that gift? 
No, no, this gift is of God. So since you didn't give yourself that gift, can I tell you, why don't you give praise back to Almighty God, the one who gave you that gift? Are y'all quiet now? It's like the one that's been born into the right family telling me how great they are. And I want to tell them you had no choice to where you were born at. Okay, nobody else is listening. That's okay. Amen. You'll get that on the way home. You understand what I'm saying? You had no control. It was God and his sovereignty and providence. And if that be the case, then let us have a spirit of humility that drives us to a place that we do ministry, not only with excellence, but we do it with passion and compassion. Jude said there's some churches in the day of apostasy that will be different. What did he say? Jude said this. He said, those churches will make a difference, not by their preaching, not by their singing, not by their shouting or their dancing or their ties. He said, those who stay true in the day of apostasy will make a difference by their compassion. That's what he said. It's amazing that he throws that in there to me, but that's what he says. Why? Because we live in a callous day where you can delete your friends in one second and pretend that you never knew them on social media. We live in a day where we can see gossip before our eyes and we don't have to call the church prayer hotline anymore because people put it for everybody to see. We live in a day that's hardened our emotions and hardened our heart, but I implore you this morning, don't let life I steal one of God's greatest gifts. I am an emotional person. I cry, listen to me. I cry at ball games when they bring the soldiers home and they surprise them with a mom and dad who didn't know. Anybody ever been to a ball game and they, they bring a mom and dad out there and they show their son or daughter's picture on the screen and they say, mom, we're in Afghanistan. I'll see you at Christmas. And all of a sudden, that person will run out the tunnel and mom and dad has no clue and 84,000 people have a, and everybody, I cry. I'm not ashamed of that. You understand what I'm saying? I cry. I cry when I hear Ashton praying. I cry when Aiden comes home and they say he had a great day at school. I cry. Yes, Lord, I cry. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I cry. I'm okay with that. I still cry at love songs that Jess and I sing to each other. Well, she does most of the songs. Well, I do sing, but, but she doesn't like it. But little, little love songs, little love songs. You don't know a little old school. I can take it R&B, but I can also go a little country, a little Shenandoah. I want to be loved like that. She likes that. Yes, she does. I cry. That's all right. <laughs> I just bought you that new dress. You better come on out. <laughs> Yes, I cry. I, I, I get it from my mother. I know Russell has apologized many times and I tell him, don't ever apologize for that. Don't apologize. It doesn't mean you're not a man cause you cry. I'm not saying you gotta cry at every minute of the day, but some things aren't to move us. These are our graduates this morning. We're not just hoping they do good. They are arrows in our quiver. We are about to shoot them out on the world. We should pray for them. We should fast for them. We should cry for them. Lacey says she wants to be a counselor. She shouldn't have to go to California to be a counselor. 
We need counselors right here at Wahala in this community. Others have different gifts. Why do we sit back and push them out the door and say, well, I I hope they make it. No, no. We should be invested in them. We should pray with them. We should cry with them. We should hold their hands up and say, you're a part of us. You're a part of our body and we're not just going to let you go out into the world. We're going to stand with you as a family and when you do good, we do good. And when you cry, we cry. Come on, give God praise as I close. Thirdly, thirdly, this may be a little higher up than the graduates this morning, but this is for somebody. Thirdly, Paul said, I was with you in trials and I prayed on that. And one of our ladies and leaders in the church sent back that she needed this this morning and I knew, I knew, I knew in my spirit that somebody needed this. Paul didn't say I was absent from you. He says, you saw my trials. Listen to me, please. We see trials as punishment from God. And that's not biblical. It's not biblical. There are plagues and things that God does. There are things that God allows because we bring them on ourselves. There are also times that God allows things for reason, for cause, just like Job. And those things, I want you to hear me. We have this tendency to push God away and push the church away and wonder why God doesn't love me anymore. And Paul says, I lived among you. Maybe it was his eyesight. They said he couldn't see good. Some people said he was a terrible preacher. Evidence, Eutychus fell out the window. I don't think it was bad preaching, but if you preach for 23 hours, I'd probably fall asleep too. Anybody want to try it today? Anybody want to see? Amen. Some say he was shortened statues. Others, they, they say all kinds of things about Paul. We know what Acts tells about his life. It was trial after trial after trial. I want you to hear me. I believe what Paul was telling these Ephesian leaders. I want you to stay humble. I want you to cry every once in a while. I want you to feel life. Listen to me, young people. I'm about to turn 40. Now, I know we laugh about that. But I'm telling you, my dreams feel like they started in a birthing room at a prayer closet. It seems like it was yesterday that the grannies of the church held my hands and saw me doing ministry. It seems like yesterday when I was wrestling with my calling that Sister Hodges in a, on a walker walked by me and pointed her finger at me and said, Brother Nolan, I had a dream about you last night. And that dream was such and such and she read my mail through that dream. It seems, Caroline, like it was yesterday. So I want you to understand something right now. I don't want you to miss a moment and the enemies will come at you and life's going to come at you. But instead of you seeing these hardships because they're coming, it's not going to be easy. Colin, it's not going to be easy to fulfill God's will for your life. That's one thing that we fail you at as parents and pastors and grandparents. Sometimes we're there for your every need. It will not always be that way. But I come to let somebody know this morning that whatever trial you go through, not only is God there in the midst of that trial, but I'm letting you know that trial will grow you. That's what James says. Let, let patience have her perfect work. Count all joy when you fall and divers temptation. You know that scripture? It says, let patience have her perfect work that you may be complete, entire, and that you will not lack anything for your life. But I want you to recognize not only do these trials perfect you, but these trials are not even about you. Most of the trials that some of you are going in right now, most of the trials are not even for you or about you. Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren 
are watching you. This church is watching you. Oh, Brother Nolan, I'm going through a trial and I'm going to handle it my way. You're teaching your kids that it's okay for you to get in the flesh. Brother Nolan, I'm going through something and I'm mad at God and I'm going to cuss God out. You're teaching your kids that God is only God and God is only just when it's your birthday. But at the first sign, you're teaching your kids to run. But it's no difference. That's what you've done all your life anyway. Is anybody listening? Paul said, I stood there in my trials. They were not hid from you. You saw my trials. I want somebody to hear this before I close in these last four minutes. I want you to hear me. Your trials are not just for you, but they're for those who are watching you. And what they're telling us this, if you can make it holding God's hand, then we can make it too. So the next time you're going to throw in the towel because you had a bad day, I want you to know this church is watching you. Your family is watching you. And instead of you throwing in the towel, I want you to get a new grip with a tired hand and realize as the old lady used to sing, he's God on top of the mountain and he's still God in the valley. He is the same God. Your circumstance and your situation does not change the nature and deity of Almighty God. Or Brother Nolan, I've been in this trial for a few days days is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day for God listen to me this trial will soon pass but God that was God a billion years ago will be God a billion years from now so I come to let somebody know you're going to make it through this storm you're going to make it through this trial you're going to make it through this crisis don't give up don't give up on God grab a hold of God's hand and press on in the name of Jesus Christ you can play. Play with me. Play with me. Oh, I, listen. Verse 20 and 27, Paul says, I implore you or I encourage you or I pray God give you the courage to do it. Some of you just need some courage this morning. You're a good person. You're a good man or woman. My mind right now is on Brother Goblin. Brother Goblin's a visiting machine. I was waiting Thursday at the hospital in Anderson while he was having surgery. I was with him there. While his wife had a stroke and she's over in Greenville. I sent Danny to Greenville. I went to Anderson. I, my, Anthony, my mind's flooded with him right now. How many times has he showed up at your door? How many times has he visited you? I've never heard him complain through this storm. I've never heard him put his head down. You know what I think? I think it's just going to be a greater testimony to him to say, listen, I've been there when I've been at one hospital and my wife was at another hospital. But let me tell you something. It was kind of like he told me Thursday when he had colon cancer and how God delivered him. It's like he told me when he said, Pastor, I didn't want to have that bag and I prayed God not give it to me. And God didn't give it to me. He said, a year later, they told me I had a tumor. He said, but I went to God in prayer and then they couldn't find that tumor. Let me tell you, in the midst of his storm, he was still giving praise to Almighty God. I come to tell somebody, have courage. Have courage today. Have faith. God is still working this thing out. Stand with me all over the house. I feel like preaching. I know you've got to get to the picnic, but I feel like preaching. Are you listening this morning? I know you in the battle right now. Have courage. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Have courage in God. Amen. Be humble. Be emotional. Be passionate. Have compassion. And then when you find yourself in the middle of a trial, Leland, when you get to Cleveland, Tennessee, and 
professor says you have a D, but you know you made a good C plus. Have faith in God, amen? I will be praying for you. Have courage. And Paul said, closing, he says to the Ephesians leaders, I gave my life away that I might preach, and I'll pick up here later, the gospel of grace. Here's what I want you to do as we pray for you tonight. This morning, excuse me. I want you to give your life away. Whatever plans you have right now, I commend you for planning. But if your plans are not God's plans, I want you to give your life away because you'll never be happy. You'll never be fulfilled. I've had many opportunities to do other things, but the one thing that I know that I'm designed to do is share that word right there. To tell somebody, if God can do it for me, then God can do it for you. Paul told those leaders, I gave my life to him. Would you step out down here? Young people, I want to pray with you, please. Parents, if you want to come behind them, you can. All our graduates, Katie, all our graduates, please. One more time, can we give them a hand, please? While their parents are coming, if you're in this house, you say, Pastor, the message spoke to me. In the time frame I have, I condensed this as much as I could. But you say, Pastor, I've been going through a trial right now. And I, just, I need God's hand. Would you step out down front, please? Let us pray with you. While I'm laying hands on these graduates, we have other pastors who would desire, who would do, love nothing more but to pray with you. If you're going through a trial and you say, I need help, would you step out right here, please? Anyone? Anyone? They're coming, Pastor Russell. If you would take charge over here, please. Stretch your hands this way. Let's pray. Sing.